three decades, uh, he was Florida's uh, longest-serving member in Congress. Congressman Allison Hayes is back with us here today, Congress. Can't believe it is cool. So now we have to do this again. 2019. Makes him feel several years in retirement. And leadership positions throughout his career, most recently as vice chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Joined by President Jimmy Carter in 1979, Hayes is Florida's first black federal judge in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District. state of this country 
and I will await the gentleman's apology. I yield back. You will wait until hell freezes over. The gentleman <laughs> for me to say anything in an apology. I would apologize to you if I was directing my comments to you. I was commenting about the state that you Madam happened Chair, to be a resident. Well, yeah. please jump so I will not control. apologize. Congressman Lee. <laughs> As vintage LC Hastings said, he didn't mind leading at all. Um, you know, I always say that leadership is lonely. And Hastings has, uh, in this state, um, what he did in the very early 60s and 70s, um, growing up in rural Florida and then becoming, you know, a barrister and, and going to three HBCUs, the Howard, FAMU, um, um, and, and at Fisk University, um, being someone that represented those who needed the representation, even when he wasn't an elected member of Congress, um, he was outspoken. As you know, he, he made history along with Corinne Brown and, and my mother Carrie Meek and, and, and then being the first three to go back to Congress since Reconstruction. So his death hits with a, a heavy, heavy mallet. But I can tell you this, I spoke with his wife this morning, and, um, you know, he fought a good battle. And those of us, I know the Congresswoman and others, um, will not let his memory fade as it relates to his tenacity and his forward lean. In 2000, he stood uh, with the disenfranchised uh, voters here in Florida when the votes were stolen and walked off the floor during the Electoral College vote. Um, you know, so he, he's, he's, he's a great man, and... And he, he fought a good fight, and, and, and I'm so happy to have had the opportunity to serve with him and call him a friend. Uh, President Joe Biden released a statement with regards to the passing of Congressman Alcee Hastings. Folks, we can pull it up, please. Uh, he said, I had the privilege of getting to know Alcee Hastings during the years when he served in the House of Representatives, when I served in the United States Senate and later as Vice President. I greatly admired him for his singular sense of humor, for always speaking the truth bluntly and without reservation. A trailblazing lawyer grew up in the Jim Crow South. Al is outspoken because he was passionate about helping our nation live up to its full promise for all Americans. It was a passion he forged as a pioneering civil rights lawyer in the 1960s, uh, fighting tirelessly, tirelessly desegregate hotels, restaurants, and public spaces in South Florida. A trailblazing spirit, um, uh, a trailblazing spirit to advocate for what is right that guided him throughout his life. Across his long career of public service, Alcee always stood up to fight for equality and always showed up for the working people he represented. And even in his final battle with cancer, he simply never gave up. Jill and I are sad to learn of his passing. May God bless Alcee Hastings and his family. President Bill Clinton, I'm going to read this, uh, this uh, email here, President Bill Clinton. Uh, Hillary and I mourn the passing of our friend Alcee Hastings from his days as a young civil rights lawyer, desegregating schools in Broward County to his nearly 30 years in Congress and his long service on the Helsinki Commission. Alcee was a champion of justice, equality, and human dignity in South Florida, across America, and around the world. He was a skilled and savvy legislator who knew how to get things done for his constituents, whether he was in the majority or in the minority party, creating new economic opportunities, increasing access to quality, affordable health care, strengthening the social safety net, and protecting the environment. His fine mind, deep knowledge, and strong leadership will be missed, but his legacy will live on in all the people.
lives are better because of his service. We will, forever, we will, we will be forever grateful for his friendship and our thoughts and prayers with Patricia, his children, everyone who loved him. Congresswoman Val Demings, uh, what's interesting is that uh, you spoke of, uh, speaking of President Biden, uh, it was Biden who picked Hastings to be a part of his team that chose federal judges, those first 11 federal judges that were announced. You know, yeah, look, Elsie Hastings was Florida, and he was a trailblazer. He was the first black federal judge uh, in Florida. And, you know, it was interesting, Roland, watching the clip in that hearing where they were talking about civility. Well, you know what? Elsie Hastings thought it wasn't very civil when you voted against children having the nutrition they need or the good education or people, families having fair housing or being able to keep a roof over their heads. That's what he stood up for. I mean, until the day he died just weeks ago, he was still fighting for the, for the people act because people mattered. And, you know, he was the Dean of our caucus in Florida. He was the vice chair of the Florida delegation. Uh, when Elsie Hastings was in the room, people knew it and people listened. And I learned so much from him in the short period of time that I have served in the U.S. House of Representatives. We will never forget the life and legacy of Representative Elsie Hastings. Congressman Meek, but he, he also had no problem uh, speaking his mind when it came to black folks. Uh, every year, the CBC Foundation had their annual legislative caucus. Hastings would go home. He said, it was a waste of my damn time being here. <laughs> he, didn't care, he didn't care for the Phoenix Awards. He didn't care about uh, any panels and receptions. Literally every year, I think I think it was one year I ran to him at a CBC of dinner. But normally he said, hell, I'm going home. You know, you know Roland, I, I just want to thank you um, for recognizing his life and his memory today on your show. And, you know, you and I, we, we can go all the way back to the old convention center and, and you know, back in, in Washington with the CDC up. And when I became chair, I, I begged, I said, Judge, please, just come to one. I'm, I'm your neighbor congressman. You got to come. He said, with dog on it, I'll come. I'm not standing for the whole dog on dinner. Well, I'll just put it this way. I'm not standing for the blank whole dinner. So um, <laughs> he, he, would, he would give his, ta his table to his constituents and just move on. And he said, this is a weekend I can spend home. And he was a very serious person. And at those times, we had um, a Haitian refugee crisis taking place. He was a strong voice with the Justice Department. He was a strong voice working with Janet Reno and, and, and those back in the day of fighting for Haitian rights. I mean, he, he internationally, I mean, with him, Helsinki uh, Committee and Helsinki Committee and, and others uh, working throughout Africa on foreign affairs. And he served. Uh, rolling on one of the hardest committees to serve on, which is the Rules Committee, which was quite demanding. You know, you're there, they're there late at night and early in the morning um, mm. making argument on behalf of Democrats and um, the House rules and, and setting the agenda. So he didn't have any slump committees. He worked his entire time there. Um, he lived in the same building. My mother and him, they, they both moved into the Hill House, and he was there for many, many years until recent. But I'm so happy that he did it his way. He won re-election, even though some in the community ran against him in his time of being sick. Um, he left this earth and moved on to a greater place. And the, the joy that I have this morning, yes, there were tears, but the joy that I have is that he went down fighting as he has always done. And when you have Elsie Hastings on your side, that's all you need. 
and he ran in 1970 for the United States Senate against Lost Childs and ran a notable campaign and knew how to campaign in all 67 counties and then coached and, 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 and mentored not only me when I ran in 2010, but others before me, including our close um, um, governor's race that we almost won this last cycle. Elsie um, uh, Hastings was in the middle of it and was the it was one of the first supporters of Andrew Gilbert. Carlos Val Demings, uh, last that we lost um, um, a number of, of longtime CDC members. Uh, last year, losing Congressman John Lewis. Uh, this year, Congressman Alice Hastings, both of them passed away due to pancreatic cancer. And for, as someone who is a, a relatively new member uh, of the House, uh, how important is it uh, for the public to understand uh, the role that uh, these senior leaders have played in? Because I think a lot of people, they go, well, how many names is your bill on? How many bills did you get passed? Without really understanding uh, that you can serve 20, 30, 40 years in Congress, wield a significant amount of power, and not have your name on many bills. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, the majority of people who serve uh, in Congress do not have their names on a lot of bills, but that does not mean they're not doing a lot of work. And the people that you name, uh, you know, Elsie Hastings, uh, John Lewis, uh, Elijah Cummings, John Conyers, these were trailblazers who really worked hard for civil rights, equal rights, during a time when the laws were not on their side, but they kept up the good fight. And so while they're gone and we miss them dearly, uh, it's going to be tough to, to get to a place where we, you know, we feel better about what has happened today. They have left us a roadmap. Uh, it is our time, it is our turn. And what we have to do is remember the struggles that they went through through really difficult times. And we have to pick up the mantle and carry their legacy. And doing that, as my friend and colleague Alcee Hickson said, is a battle worth fighting. Congressman, Congresswoman Val Demings, uh, former Congressman Kendrick Meek, we surely appreciate uh, you sharing your thoughts regarding uh, Congressman Alcee Hastings, uh, like I said, we always had a good time talking, sharing with one another. So uh, there was no way in the world I wouldn't uh, pay respects uh, to him and his life and legacy. Uh, Ron Rollerbach, unfiltered. Certainly thoughts and prayers brought to his family. Thank you. Mustafa, I want to go to you. Uh, you actually posted a comment today about uh, Alcee Hastings. Uh, go ahead and share your thoughts. Yeah, Congressman Hastings was the truth. I mean... He was sharp. I want people to remember he was extremely sharp. He was fearless. Uh, and, and he was one of the giants, one of the greats, just like uh, Representative Demings just shared with folks. You know, I was blessed to be mentored uh, by folks like him and John Lewis. And of course, I worked for John Conyers and Elijah Cummings. And I remember the first time I met him in 2007. I was uh, sitting in his office. Uh, probably wasn't supposed to be there, but a good friend of mine by the name of Alex Johnson was working for him. I remember he came in and he was greeting folks who were there and he looked at me and he was like, uh, who are you? <laughs> and I said, I'm Mustafa Ali. And he said, well, who do you work for? I said, John Conyers. And he said, well, what issues do you focus on? I said, environmental justice. And he said, me too. And that began our journey together because in 2007, he introduced at a time. Now you see everybody talking about environmental justice now. This was a time when 
there were very few folks on Capitol Hill who were putting any attention on environmental justice at that time. And he introduced the Environmental Justice Access and Implementation Act at that time, spent all kinds of time talking to folks. And he used to always say, make them, you know, make them put their money where their mouth is. So he was saying that these federal agencies and departments needed to actually have offices of environmental justice inside of them and not just, you know, going along with what the executive order was, but actually putting some teeth into it at that time. And he also said that the folks who were on the ground, because he had Superfund sites and brownfield sites in his community, some very toxic sites that he had been working on, he said folks deserve to know and have information that they can see, um, and that is um, clear. Um, and that was a part of that bill and a number of other things. And now you fast forward, and it's so important for people to understand, it was said earlier, that so many of these great leaders did the work before it became vogue, before people you know, started to embrace the issues, and he was one of those individuals. So now when you see President Biden you know, doing all these incredible things around environmental justice and climate issues, you gotta go back and give credit to folks like Congressman Hastings and folks like Congressman Lewis, who both of them introduced some of the landmark pieces of legislation that didn't get passed, but began to build that framework. So I will always be grateful to him. And as I've always said, his legacy will live on, not just on Capitol Hill, but in all the work that is happening on the front lines across our country. Um, Kelly, Dean, uh, thoughts and reflections on Allison Hastings. Kelly first. Well, for me, um, this is a great loss, not just for Florida, but the entire country. It is clear, such as uh, Representative Demings uh, described, our greats are leaving this world, you know, and we have a unique situation in which we unfortunately still need people to carry the mantle that these greats created and carried themselves and the question becomes who is going to carry these mantles who is going to take up the charge and and fill these footsteps because it's not a we're we're not in a situation where things are necessarily better it is just more uh spread out so to speak, the problems. Um, there's more nuance now. Um, and for some problems, they are just outright being um, reintroduced to society, such as the Voting Rights Act. Our women's rights are, are under attack still. Everything is back into the fold in, in this, in this uh, predicament of fighting for our rights again. So who's going to take up these mantles? Who is going to fill the shoes of these greats, such as uh, now Hastings, um, such as Cummings. I was an intern for Elijah Cummings when I was in law school, and just the lessons that I learned by osmosis from him will carry me throughout my life. For those of us who were under the tutelage of these greats, we have a, a cross to bear, so to speak. I know we're just on the tail end of, of Easter, but we are now in Pentecost season, so it still applies. But we, we have a cross to bear. We have shoes to fill, and we have our marching orders from these people still. And for those who are in Congress, who are in a position to fill these shoes more immediately, please do so now. Please take up the mantle now and introduce those laws. Uh, mobilize, monetize, make sure that their legacies don't die with them and make sure that they are carried on through them, through us, through you. And I could just echo what they both said. I am so appreciative of uh, 
the congressman because he said what he meant and meant what he said. He didn't have to figure out which side he was on, and that's what I appreciate about him and other leaders who have gone on. They were very clear. They yay was yay, they nay was nay, and we knew how to proceed, and they weren't afraid to speak up uh, for what was just and right. And it didn't matter if they offended people. They just continued on with the mission at hand. Well, speaking of folks uh, who are uh, unclear when they talk, Mitch McConnell. Y'all, today this fool actually was asked about corporations uh, speaking out about the voter suppression uh, bill passed through Georgia. And <laughs> listen to what this fool said. My warning, if you will, to corporate America is to stay out of politics. It's not what you're designed for. And don't be intimidated by the left into taking up causes that put you right in the middle of one of America's greatest political debates. So that's that's my admonition. And Delta and uh, the other Coca-Cola and the other companies that basically responded to this partisan appeal are doing the same thing. You know, Republicans drink Coca-Cola too. And we fly, and we like baseball. Uh, this is a pretty competitive political environment in America, as I just pointed out, a 50-50 Senate. If I were running a major corporation, I'd stay out of politics. I'm, I'm not talking about political contributions. Most of them contribute to both sides. They have political action committee. That's fine. It's legal. It's appropriate. I support that. I'm talking about taking a position on a highly incendiary issue like this and punishing a community or a state because you don't like a particular law they passed. I just think it's stupid. So, D, he's saying, I'll take your money. But shut up. <laughs> I said it yesterday. Mr. McConnell sound like a pimp. <laughs> He'll take the money from his women. <laughs> but y'all shut up. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I mean, he's literally saying, oh, no, 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 Because, and, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Republicans <laughs> assert during Citizen United that corporations are people too? So now, again, we take y'all money, your dark money included, <laughs> but shut the hell up when you disagree with us. Exactly. And so the roosters are, you know, chickens are coming home to roost. And it's so funny, stay out of it. Stay out of what? I mean, this is the reason why you want to give them tax breaks, but when they speak up, you get upset. And then it's like you punish. Who was punished? You mean the Republicans who... Uh, passed unjust, unethical, and ridiculous voting laws in Georgia. Is that, is that who's being punished? Well, you know what? It, it is what it is. And I just hope that the corporations have the courage and the testicular will to continue doing what they're doing so that it doesn't trickle down to other states. So McConnell needs to go have several seats. That's what he needs. The, the, the thing here that I find just absolutely hilarious, Mustafa, is... Uh, you know, y'all get out of politics. 
don't 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 be weighing in. Uh, I'm sorry, but if I get money, I got the right to open my damn mouth. And if y'all do something that that's gonna have harm to my company because of how constituents respond, I'm probably gonna say something. Yeah, I'm so glad you said the pimp thing because I was going to say it's very pimpish, so I didn't have to say that. So I'm glad, so I don't get in trouble today. But you know, it, it's really interesting. I mean, he treats folks like 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 side pieces, if I can say it that way. You know, where you know, be seen, uh, but don't be heard, and and and, and, and don't uh, get in the way type of thing. And it was interesting when um, you know he started talking about you know we drink Coca Cola. And, we fly and we like baseball. I was wondering, well, do you like democracy? And, and do you like voting rights? Because everything you've been doing and supporting has been going in that opposite direction. So all I can say is, Kentucky, you get what you get. You vote the way you vote. One of the brokest damn states in the country, uh, Kelly, keeps electing somebody who don't give a damn about how broke they are. I mean, just to piggyback off of the stock for a second, I would venture to say that a side piece has more rights and and say over their person than <laughs> than what Mitch McConnell ventures to think a corporation has. Um, like we have all just said, uh, not too long ago, we were just told that corporations are people too. So as far as I'm concerned, we need to let the people speak. And that is exactly what's happening here. Um, Voting rights affect corporations as well in that, you know, people work in those corporations. Uh, and if those people in those corporations decide not to live in Georgia anymore, what good is the corporation going to be if they have no employees in Georgia? What good is the corporation going to be if another voting law such as the one in Georgia comes down in Kentucky, in Tennessee, in Florida, and those people strike or what have you? Um, that was the... the, the uh, undercurrent uh, theory behind Citizens United. You know, you have people in the corporations, and therefore corporations are people. Clearly, that's not the case, but if Mitch McConnell wants to use that logic, then that's what we're going to use now. Um, it Again, the Republicans are hypocritical as a whole. Uh, if it does not work in their favor, they will do Bikram yoga to stretch and bend over backwards to make something work for them. And if that doesn't work, they just take the bar, raise it, lower it, break it, fix it, what have you, anything necessary to make sure that whatever rule they want to have applied applies to just them because that's all they want. So, I mean, again, like like uh, uh, my colleague said, just have several seats. You know, deal with it. Uh, the, uh, speaking, of, speaking of that, this is all tied to the same thing. And actually, I'm going to bring in my next guest as a part of this uh, because I definitely want to get his comment on this. You know, so I've been talking about this whole vote suppression stuff, y'all, uh, and how silent uh, the only Republican in the United States Senate has been on this, and that is Senator Tim Scott. So he decided today of all days to post a tweet, to post a tweet. Uh, y'all, here's the tweet. Uh, that I find to be quite interesting, quite interesting. He tweets, Georgia, voter ID, 17 days of early voting. Colorado, voter ID, 15 days of early voting. Atlanta is 51% black. Denver is 9.2% black. The MLB is moving the MLB All-Star game out of Atlanta, which is more day of voting rights than Colorado. 
The wolves are at it again, folks. Now, now mind y'all. Uh, I, I want you. I want you to. Um, I want you to uh, understand what they've been doing. How the Republicans. How they have been using the talking points all day, y'all. All day long, talking about oh, Colorado, Colorado, and what's happening in Colorado, and you know we got we got more early voting days in Georgia than Colorado. Yeah, but ninety percent of the people in Colorado vote by mail. In Colorado, they also mail an absentee ballot to everyone in the state. In Colorado, they have nearly four hundred drop boxes. <laughs> Georgia, less than half of that. But Colorado's population is half that of Georgia. <laughs> so, Mark Morial, CEO of the National Urban League, we're gonna talk about Christian Clark in a moment, but I want to talk about this. The reason I'm laughing is because if all of a sudden, I'm talking about on Fox News, I got conservatives hitting me left and right, talking about Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. I'm like, boo, if y'all want to compare to Colorado, <laughs> let's pass the same laws they got in Colorado. Colorado don't need all the early voting days because they have a successful vote by mail and have one of the highest voting participation uh, rates in America. Well, these, these conservatives and Republicans are laughable with the comparison to Georgia and Colorado because they mad they love baseball game got pulled. You know, Harold, they're, they're, they're reaching, they're stretching, they're reaching. This entire voter suppression uh, effort uh, is uh, sour grapes. It's all a reaction because when people turn out in large numbers, when turn out uh, to vote in a passionate way as they did in 2020, uh, right-wing uh, conservatism does not win. And this is what is so crucial is that uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in Tim Scott. You know, come on, man. You're going to take, if you will, uh, these things out of complete context and talk about early voting and always do. Look at the totality of the voting system in Colorado. It is designed for access. It is mail ballot goes to every home. Every person has the right to vote by mail. Now, shouldn't that be the rule? Shouldn't that be the system in every single state? But no, now you've got this pandemic of voter suppression sweeping the country because some believe the only way they can win an election is by changing the rules, by altering the rules. It would be as though you lose a basketball game and you say, you know what, let's and, and, and the other team was dunking on you. Let's raise the basket to 12 feet high. <laughs> let's get rid of the shot clock so we can stall the ball and they can't run anymore. They want to change the rules. And they want to change the rules in a way that harkens back to the Jim Crow era <laughs> Not the Jim Crow era of the 60s, but the Jim Crow era of the late 1800s. And here's so what I find to be, here's what I find to be just beyond laughable, uh, Mark Pierce. So this, again, how the talking point goes out real quick. Uh, this is somebody else black, Harrison Faulkner, on Fox News. I mean, again, listen to how ridiculous they are by trying to compare to Colorado. But Joe, from what, what you're saying... Atlanta, all of Georgia can be hurt 
by these decisions. And I want to point out who did their homework on Denver? Who did their homework on Colorado? Compare the voter laws. Is there ID required in Colorado like Georgia? Yes, to vote in person. Sometimes you have to bring a picture ID if it's your first time. And in Colorado, 15 days of early voting, that's less than the early days of voting that the fewer than they have in Georgia, 17 to 19 there. Yeah, Harris, I, I don't think many of these companies really truly studied the bill or saw the fact checks that were done on them. And I think, honestly, they're just responding to this woke mob on Twitter that kind of really doesn't exist. And they sound loud and they scream about boycotts. But in the end, if you stand your ground in these situations and say, look, uh, we're not going to get involved here politically. In Atlanta, for instance, with Major League Baseball, we're going to honor the great Hank Aaron. Sometimes we can't tell the future. But Joe, from what, love, what you're I saying, love the whole, the whole Atlanta? again, the, the pimping of Hank, of Henry Aaron. First of all, he didn't like being called Hank Henry Aaron. But Mark, the reason that offends me is because again, they are used to talking to dumb people on Fox News, people who believe whatever they say, and so it's like, oh, Colorado is so much more restrictive. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, in, in, in the words of uh, Paul Harvey, now the rest. Of the story. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, look, Roland, uh, I'm glad you're focusing on this uh, because what we see on Fox News is what we always see on Fox News distortions, half truths, uh, feigned uh, outrage, uh, parading as truth. It's not even worth watching because of what the the distortions and the twistings of the truth. Uh, right now, Roland, what we've got to do, and what I'm focused on, uh, in addition to pushing back against voter suppression in Georgia, we've got to get Benita Gupta That's right. and Kristen Clark confirmed uh, at the Justice Department. And it is absolutely offensive that these two highly qualified women of color, one an Indian American, the other an African American, uh, have been smeared by right-wingers. Uh, these women, one went to Harvard, the other went to Yale. They have impeccable records as lawyers, as civil rights lawyers, uh, as, as, as mothers. Uh, these women do not deserve this smear campaign. And we're going to stand up to it, uh, Roland. They deserve to be confirmed. Why is there a smear campaign? Because clearly... Uh, I think some understand that they will be serious in restoring the integrity uh, to the Department of Justice, removing the politics from civil rights enforcement, uh, and improving, or rather restoring, the reputation of the Justice Department as not only a law enforcement agency, but as an agency that's true to his name, and that is to promote justice. I've worked with both of them. Uh, for years. In the case of Kristen Clark, since she was a very young lawyer working in the Civil Rights Division at the Justice Department on Louisiana's uh, legislative reapportionment plan uh, in the early 2000s, to her time as a, uh, a lawyer working at the Legal Defense Fund, later the state of New York, uh, now later at the Lawyers Committee, now the nominee to be the chief civil rights enforcer uh, in the United States. Benita Gupta worked for President Obama as the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, uh, went on to become 
head of the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights. Uh, she's a measured, smart, uh, fair-minded uh, lawyer uh, who now has the support of many law enforcement groups as well as civil rights groups. So we're going to stand up. Why have they been singled out for a smear campaign? Hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on television advertising to try to smear their reputation in an effort to derail their confirmation. We're not going to let it happen, Roland. It is, it is, it is, it is truly laughable to watch what these folks are doing because they somehow think that we're stupid. The reality is, these Republicans, they are scared to death of Anita Gupta. They're scared to death of Christian Clark. Why? Because they're excellent at what they do. <laughs> they know, they know what they are doing. They do not want a strong Department of Justice that stands up for civil rights. They want the continuation of pure craziness we've seen in the last four years. Uh, and that's why Vanita is further along. Uh, she's already gotten marked up. Uh, Christian is going to have her hearing uh, next Wednesday. Uh, and you're going to see vicious attacks on Christian Clark uh, next week, Mark. Final comment. And, and look, I'm confident she'll be ready, uh, that she'll be prepared. Uh, that she'll be prepared to uh, answer forthrightly and stand up uh, to any unfair questioning. I saw some of the questioning uh, in Benita Gupta's case. And, you know, Roland, something is wrong when members of the United States Senate uh, engage in hazing behavior. So I'd like us all to serve as watchdogs uh, when, when Kristen's hearing takes place and call out those act in an unfair, abusive, disrespectful fashion in a congressional hearing. Look, you can have sharp disagreements. You can have differences of opinion. Uh, but the idea that you're going to haze, that you're going to turn the entire thing into some sort of uh, almost a, a, a high school, uh, if you will, exercise really is offensive to me. And it's beneath the dignity of the United States Senate and the offices to which these two women have been nominated. Uh, and I encourage people uh, uh, to understand the seriousness of the moment where two civil rights leaders have been nominated to serve in the Justice Department. This is an important step, and we want to make sure they're confirmed. And they should be confirmed. Well, and, and in Kristen's case, if she is confirmed, she will be the first woman ever confirmed by the United States Senate to head the Civil Rights Division. Vanita uh, previously headed it, but she was the interim. But there's never been That's a woman correct. confirmed by the United States Senate for this job. You're correct, Roland. And, uh, hmm. and uh, she, she's so deserving of confirmation. Uh, she's a close friend and a professional colleague. Uh, we work very closely together. Let me say this. Vanita uh, and Christian are measured. They're fair-minded. They have integrity. They paid their dues. Uh, and community, we're going to stand up for them. Mark Morial, CEO of National Urban League. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Hey, well, and always, thank you. D, you're there in Georgia. I I'm really laughing at these Republicans uh, who are tripping and trying to bring up Colorado. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, hey, if y'all want the, if y'all want to mirror the voting laws in Colorado, baby, we're more than happy to do it. You know what? They are so ridiculous. Uh, and they're beginning to believe the lies.
a few years ago when I was actually in the General Assembly, I actually uh, sponsored legislation that was similar to Colorado's for us to be able to mail people absentee ballots and to have almost full participation in mail-in ballots as well. And they rejected it because they want to reject anything that will be inclusive of the masses. All they want to do is change the rules now because, as someone said earlier, they're sore losers. They're absolutely ridiculous. And this is why I'm all out for the boycott. I mean, if it was up to me, I wouldn't buy anything in Georgia right about now other than the necessities that I have to have. And so Mitch McConnell, he's ridiculous. Brian Kemp is ridiculous. And all of the people who fool with him are ridiculous. And so they've lied so much. They're nothing but lying liars who tell lies every day to uh, outrage and get their base all worked up. This is crazy. You should see how they're acting. They're about to lose their mind because MLB pulled out of Georgia. Right. I mean, and, and, and the, reason, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, because Kelly, what you're seeing is you're seeing how the right-wing Republican talking points get sent out. So like today, all of them, Colorado, 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 Colorado. And you're also about Colorado, because, and, and they're latching on. Colorado requires a voter ID, uh, and, and they got 15 days. Uh, Georgia got 17 days. <laughs> but y'all want to ignore everything else in the bill, except those two things. Now, nah, now, nah, sorry, we know how to read. See, there's a reason they want black folks learn how to read uh, during slavery. See, now we know how to read. Well, not only do we know how to read, it is also, again, the hypocrisy of the Republican Party is just so great because the reason that Republicans even gained this much uh, traction in the House and were able to preserve their standing in the Senate is because of the voting laws that were in place before this really repeal of voting laws in Georgia. So the only person who really lost in, in the 2020 election of importance was Donald Trump. Everybody, as a rule, you know, in summary of the election of 2020, Republicans actually did a fantastic job in terms of preserving seats, gaining seats, and the like. And it was due in part to the voting laws that were already on the books and also expanding some of them that were already on the books because of COVID being mail-in and uh, absentee voting and the expansion of such policies. So for them to shrink it, expecting the same results or better than 2020 is is, is asinine because it, that doesn't make any sense. So what they're asking, what they're comparing in terms of Colorado, frankly, they low-key had it. Um, they just needed to expand it a little bit if that's what they really wanted to do. So, again, the, the like you said, the talking points don't make any sense. Republicans don't make any sense at this point. Um, but what is clear is that they are scared. They are scared of losing. They are scared of the, the drowning of this country. They are scared that white supremacy will no longer reign supreme. And Ted Cruz himself said, if the four people, if the four the people act, voting laws actually went through in the Senate, he said, quote, the GOP won't win elections for generations. That is the key here. It's not just Georgia. Yeah, they're upset about Georgia, but they're upset about the, the snowball effect of, um, of what'll happen if Georgia didn't pass this law in the first place. So, again, with the hypocrisy, again, with them just simply not making sense, 
Um, but again, if they want to go and, and do what Colorado's doing, by all means, do it and and let Democrats win like we're supposed to be because we're actually listening to the people at this point. Mustafa, again, I, I'm just I, – I, I want people to understand how these things work, how they move and how they flow and how they start – uh, trying to drum stuff up, and I'm sitting there going, "Hey, if y'all look at like, like all of a sudden they're also saying, well, uh, look at uh, 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 look at New York. New York has this and this. <laughs> Yo, I'm dealing with y'all. <laughs> but again, if they would like, if they would like to compare <laughs> to Colorado, I am more than happy to say, Georgia rep- legislators, <laughs> please by all means copy the Colorado voting law, please." We would greatly appreciate you doing that. No, I agree with you. It's like watching a shell game with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing on the street. And they got the shells and they're going like this. And they pick it up and they say, pick which one? And then you pick it and they're like, wait, 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 hold on for a second. And they keep going again. And that's the way the Republican Party is acting. You know, they, uh, there's no depth um, in what they're trying to sell to the American public. You know, they place these veneers over top of issues. And when you actually move past the veneer, you see that there's no substance that's there to justify what they're doing. The way I look at it is that voter suppression, they need voter suppression because they have uh, antiquated policies. They have policies that are out of step with the majority of what Americans are asking for. And they need voter suppression also because they have an antiquated party that refuses to grow and evolve um, and, and to begin to move into the 21st century. And because they have that, they are now, this is the part that's super critical for everyone to pay attention to, and we've raised it before, and we need to raise it on every show, is that they also understand if they can get this voter suppression in place, then they can make sure that when it comes time to do redistricting and the gerrymandering opportunities that present themselves, then they can continue to shift power and to consolidate power. And we need to be very aware of that is the game that's going on. So for all of the foolishness, for all this craziness that people talk and these crazy sets of examples that they put out there, you've got to understand that there is a plan that's in place to remove power from the masses and to consolidate it into a much smaller set of individuals who will then actually for decades determine what America looks like. Indeed, folks. And so uh, Chris and Clark, as I said, uh, we tired both of you because it's all uh, combined. She is going to have her uh, Senate confirmation hearing uh, next Wednesday, April 14th. We'll be live streaming it live right here on Global Marketing on the Hill Street. And every single day this week, uh, we will be focusing uh, on a segment. Uh, actually, every day this week and next Monday and Tuesday, uh, people are explaining why it's important for us to uh, certainly uh, stand with Kristen Clark. Uh, hopefully, we can get Sherilyn Eiffel, the NAACP legal defense fund, on the show to discuss this. Uh, so, that's what we'll do. Let's go on to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk our black business segment. Crowdfunding. That could drive your business. That's next. Global. Funding is essential to the success of any startup business. Fund Black Founders' mission is to assist with crowdfunding for black entrepreneurs. Joining us now is Renee King. She is the founder of Fund Black Founders. Renee, how you doing? Great. How are you? Doing great. So, uh, how did so? Why did you start this? Where, where, um, where did it come from? Where you like? You know what? We got to do this thing. Uh, well, this actually started when I was my first startup, um, which was focused 
on helping elderly um, using technology. And I was at a conference where a black um, investor actually shamed a group of black entrepreneurs for not being able to raise a friends and family round. Um, and that was really troubling to me because when you think about what a friends and family round is, as for, you know, let's say someone who started Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg probably got a check of like 25000 from an aunt, 50000 from an uncle to go ahead and start Facebook. That's not a black entrepreneur's experience, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you know the, av- the average liquid savings for a black family is less than $2,000, we're not getting a check from, you know, our aunt for 25000 to start our businesses, right? So what's happening is uh, black entrepreneurs, we're scrunching together, like, you know, our day job salaries, all of our personal credit and savings to get maybe around 30000 versus white entrepreneurs are starting businesses with over $106,000. So there's a significant gap. So we jumped in and decided to start FunBlackFounders.com. Uh, We are a rewards crowdfunding platform that allows everyday people to help black founders grow their businesses from start to profitability. Um, And that's why we started, because we also see that it's not just about buying black, but we also have to fund black when you think about the significant gap that's going on with businesses. Uh, And and you're absolutely right. We talk about that friends and family round. Look, look, it simply isn't there. Uh, and, and you get these great ideas, but the bottom line is uh, folks uh, you know, can't reach out. So, so when it comes to, so what exactly do y'all do uh, to help somebody? So let's say somebody's watching right now, they got an idea. The rules have also changed now with crowdfunding. It used to be uh, you could only do up to a, what, 1.1 million. I think now it's raised down to 5 million that you can raise via crowdfunding. So what does Fund Black Founders do for the entrepreneur? So what we do for the entrepreneur is we help the entrepreneur from start to finish of putting together and building their crowd that they need to run a successful crowdfunding campaign, helping them to put together their campaign assets, their campaign marketing, coaching them through the process and helping them launch their campaign and fulfill it. So for founders like um, Chantel Calloway is one of the founders who's currently on our platform. Um, she is actually the founder of a game called Rymantics, which is the first black-owned party game to make it to the shelves of two big box retailers, Walmart and Target. For her, she came to us. We helped her start to build and nurture the crowd, helped her put together her campaign, help her launch it. Um, and now she's currently at around 21000 She's raising money. Um this way using our platform because it's one thing for her to be on those shelves but now she needs to like compete with the Hasbro's and these bigger companies right she has to compete by like building out her marketing um, budget that she needs so that she can market and tell people to go there to buy the game um, getting her operational budget that she needs so what happens now is that her campaign is live on our platform and we've helped her put it together. And folks who are listening to this, um, folks who come to our platform with as little as contribu- contributing around $20, $25, you can help an entrepreneur like Chantel keep her game on these shelves so you can see more black-owned products and businesses in these stores. So that's what we do. Um, we do a little bit more than that, too. So outside of the crowdfunding, we are also really a true friends and family feel. Um, so we support our founders with other things that they need, whether it's connections to investors, connections to accelerators, things of that sort. We really like coach them and support them, and we're a nice ear for them to like whatever they're going through outside. They can come in and feel completely comfortable. It feels like your home. This is like where you belong, and you can completely 
take the barriers off, take the, you know, your normal mask off and just say what's going on and we coach our mouthers through it. How many uh, companies have you helped? So we've actually helped, um, we've had over 3,000 people who have come together to fund over 20 businesses. We started in January 2020, so we're still in our infancy. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and when you say help, are they on your platform or there you help them raise money on other crowdfunding platforms? So we've done both, but those 20 are on our platform, um, and the 3,000 people who have come together to be this new like friends and family round for black entrepreneurs, they have funded them with over $334,000 for just these 20 ones who are on our platform. We've also helped entrepreneurs on other platforms, too. Um, so we've not, we don't only say our platform, but majority of them are on our platform. Questions for my panel. Dean, you're first. Yes, I have a question. I just love this entire concept. Is yours more of just a rewards um, type of crowdfunding, or do you have incentives for people who may want to get a piece of the company on the back end, kind of like um, equity? Right. So thank you for asking that question, and it's important to clarify. We are a rewards-based crowdfunding platform. We are not equity-based, right? There are other platforms that are equity. Um, and the difference is that for rewards, when you contribute to any of our campaigns, you are going to get a pre-order of a service or the entrepreneur's product, whatever it is, or maybe merch. You're going to get some type of thing like that. But on our campaigns, there is a contact button for all of our founders. So if you are interested in possibly investing in that entrepreneur, you can click that contact button and start engaging with that entrepreneur to see if you're interested in that. Um, we encourage you to follow our entrepreneurs. Most of them will end up on the pathway of like they use rewards to get started. Right, because equity crowdfunding, there's a significant, um, a lot of work that you have to do to get prepared for that too, and you need to be a little bit further along in business. So we encourage you to follow along with our entrepreneurs because they will probably be their next step, and you'll probably hear from us around that. Uh, Kelly. So I heard uh, you talk about how that you will connect some of these uh, companies with people who can help them. Is that something that is part of your business model, meaning yes. do you have like a, a, a program that will basically like, like a mentorship program or like a tutelage, um, uh, sect of your, of, of your website and your, and your program as a whole? Yes, it is. Um, so what happens is if you know what a true friends and family round is, it's not just getting like a check, right? From an aunt or uncle. It's also having connections or social capital. And we um, literally build relationships with different, like whether it's investors or accountants or lawyers. And as we, as our founders come in and we learn about them and they apply and we start to hear more of where they are in their journey, we start to plug them in as for what resource we feel is right for them at that time. So yes, yeah, so those connections come from this as part of our full friends and family package, I guess you can say. Mustafa. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for doing this and filling this this need and this gap. You know, I'm really big on uh, figuring out ways to educate the general public because sometimes we make some assumptions that they understand um, some of the basics. So I'm just curious, do you all do training or when folks go to your website, is there information on the basics about what crowdfunding is and hopefully ways that we can pull uh, more folks of color into that space? So that's coming. Um, we do a lot of education. I say we do a lot of webinars, um, but we are launching soon a knowledge base that will have more information around that. 
Um, but all of our entrepreneurs, as they come in, like, for example, every Thursday at 5.30 p.m., um, we host live educational sessions with everyone. So you're welcome to come, and it's free for everyone to get general information. The next step is you will see more of a knowledge base that will be on our site where you can read it and peruse it anytime you want. But I 100% agree with you on that. It's all about education and awareness, and we've been doing that in – various um sessions or conferences of that sort we speak about it a lot all right then folks it's fun blackfounders.com you see it right there funblackfounders.com renee king we appreciate it thanks a lot thank you so much all right folks uh, y'all know how we crowdfund that is we have you contribute to run the job bring the funk fan club we appreciate all of you have done so more than twenty thousand in bks last year and so we certainly appreciate that uh, there are many ways you can give, of course, cash at dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered, Zell, Roland at rollinsmartin.com or Roland at rollinsmartinunfiltered.com. Uh, you can also uh, mail your money order to New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Kelly, Mustafa, and D, I certainly appreciate uh, y'all being on our panel today. Thank you so very much. Folks, that is it for us. Uh, don't forget, every single day we live stream uh, the Derek Chauvin murder trial. So y'all simply go to our YouTube channel, watch it there. If you miss any of our segments from yesterday or before, look, all you got to do is just go to our YouTube channel as well. And don't forget, if y'all give on YouTube, there's more than 4,000 yelling there today. You can support us directly because, remember, we get 55 cents of every dollar you give on YouTube. Versus you send the money right to us. So we certainly appreciate uh, if you would do that. All right, folks, that is it. Uh, for more details, go to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Support what we do because we're all about keeping it real, keeping it black, keeping it unfiltered. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh!